MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. like to wait for the laugh it's my buddy Kalai King he did that song just for our show very sweet of him uh, I'm Dan Dunn and what we're drinking on this episode is whiskey we've been drinking whiskey the last few weeks leading up to the big trip to bourbon and beyond in Louisville Kentucky which is coming up in about two weeks we just gave away tickets last week congratulations to insert name of winner here because I'm recording this before we get see it's like time travel shit going on right here by the time you hear this I will have given away those tickets but right now I have not quite given them away so just gonna let you peek behind the curtain a little bit on how we're doing here um, okay so I'm gonna start off with a uh, little story for you uh, before we get to our guest uh, Justin Silver will be joining us in just a little bit but before that I want to tell you a little story uh Something that happened a few years back, I discovered an upstart spirits company called Fabulous American Beverages, or FAB, if you're feeling suicidal, and they decided to go where no other whiskey maker I know of had purposely gone before Ladies' Night at the Jersey Shore. Uh, their product was called Kansas Spirit Whiskey, and according to the owner of the company, Paul Goldman, Kansas Spirit Whiskey was intended, quote, to appeal equally to men and women who typically enjoy vodka. In a press release they put out at the time, Goldman said he was inspired to create the brand while on vacation with his wife, who complained that whiskey, and I quote, was for old men, and, quoting again, wasn't cool. Let me take a sip of whiskey and contemplate that. Okay. I'll set aside the catastrophic decision-making involved in basing the marketing of a major liquor launch on the offhand opinions of someone who apparently has no real experience in a basic bar, let alone the liquor game. I'll even set aside the fact that Paul Goldman let his wife tell him what to drink, for now. I'll just say the obvious. Basing your marketing campaign on the premise that whiskey isn't cool is the single most moronic statement I have ever heard in this industry. And trust me, I've heard some doozies. Say you're selling spam. The spam is probably fine. It might even be great if you're the kind of person who enjoys the beguiling mixture of ham and pork in a shaped meat product to each his own. But don't sell it by saying steak is like so over. You know why? Because steak doesn't suck, and everyone with half a brain knows it, even vegetarians. You wanted to throw your weight around, put someone down, but you literally chose the coolest liquor in the world to insult. And guess what? Whiskey doesn't fucking care. That's what makes it cool. The only other liquor that's anywhere near as cool is tequila. But tequila's always been too crazy to really be cool. 
Like, tequila will cut you for looking at its woman, then laugh while the cops drag it off to jail and spit at you during the trial. And trust me, you don't want to pick on vodka either. Dude doesn't have much of a personality, but I swear he goes to the gym twice a day. You want the nerd of the liquor crew? Try gin. You can give gin an atomic wedgie, and the worst it'll do is scream that his daddy will have you banned from the yacht club. But insulting whiskey says far more about you and your own insecurities than it does about the quintessential American spirit. So you probably won't be too surprised to learn that Kansas spirit whiskey didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, sad. Uh, Mistakes were made, folks. Mistakes were made. For instance, in that press release I mentioned earlier, Goldman was quoted as saying, I wanted to get whiskey out of the middle-aged living room and onto the beach and into the clubs. And then he launched his breakthrough product into beach-going, club-hopping party meccas, Kansas and Missouri. That's right. Let's do some shots and turn Branson upside down. Come on. Where's my music? I had music queued up for that. Now it's not. Oh, there it is. Feeling it? Yeah, you're fucking feeling it. Woo! God damn, I'm excited now. Uh, all right, so that happened. Um... So anyway, the uh, the biggest problem, I think, for Kansas Spirit Whiskey was the target demographic. The ad campaign that came with it uh, featured a series of close-up shots of straight from central casting hipsters. So this is about, again, six, seven years ago. So hipsters are really in, they were having their moment then. Uh, one boasted a triptych of uh, young, trying to harders. There was a black dude with a huge fro, an oversized plastic flame frame glasses there was an asian gal with a vintage paisley top and platinum dyed bob and a white guy with bedhead who would fit in perfectly with the guys from grizzly bear if he could only be bothered and the ad promised quote whiskey for us that is quote astonishingly light and has none of what goldman's wife deemed and again another actual quote that awful middle-aged yuck factor Which led me to believe that these people had never been to a bar, at least not a bar with hipsters in it. Because if they had, especially six or seven years ago, they would know that hipsters drink two things. Paps Blue Ribbon and Jack Daniels. Still do. This in itself is aggravating enough, but if you think you're going to fool the young folk who take themselves too seriously, think again, buddy. They might be idiots, but they're not stupid. The last thing a true dyed-in-the-wool-cap hipster would ever embrace is a product specifically designed for them, as that would fly in the face of their carefully cultivated sense of irony. Now, I'll admit for a moment that I considered the idea that in a stroke of true three-dimensional chess-praying brilliance, Goldman had created a brand that hipsters would embrace precisely because it was marketed to them and therefore was so lame that it became cool again. Oh, look at me. I'm drinking Kansas whiskey because I'm so totally a hipster. But turns out he wasn't that smart. 
I feel bad for the guy, actually. In fact, if he were here, I'd pour us both a tumbler of Angel's Envy, and he'd tell me all about how his wife never lets him do anything fun and always makes him dress up in a hoodie and skinny jeans before she'll so much as give him a peck on the cheek. And I'd listen like a good friend should and suggest we go up on my roof deck where the view is better and point out the hill you can see if you stand right up on the corner parapet where my father gave me some very important words of advice. Son, he said, women are the single best thing in all this blue, beautiful world, but never let them tell you what to drink. And then I'd shove him off into space and out of his misery. Hush now, Paul. The hard part's over. You're going where she can't hurt you anymore. Bourbon and Beyond. The world's biggest music and bourbon festival is even bigger. September 20th, 21st, and 22nd at Highland Festival Grounds of the Kentucky Expo in Louisville with Foo Fighters. Zach Brown Band. Robert Plant and the Sensational Space Shifters. Gerald Hall and John Oates, John Fogarty, ZZ Top, Leon Bridges, and more. Complete lineup of musical artists and celebrity chefs at bourbonandbeyond.com. All right, as threatened, my guest today, he's a comedian, an author, an actor. He's the host of not one but two stellar podcasts, Neurotica and No Disrespect, which he co-hosts with uh, other people. can't remember them. They don't matter. They're not important. The only man that is important here today is my guest, the great Justin Silver. Damn. There you go, buddy. Good to be here, buddy. Good to see you, man. You're in from New York. I'm you came from- out here California way. Yeah, doing a bunch of shows that you have been uh, sitting in the audience for. Yeah. A few more to go. Comedy. Yep. Doing the com- comedy store. He did a thing in uh, somewhere in Santa Monica. Westside Comedy that, Theater there, yesterday. Yep, that's yeah. it. Yeah, he did that. Um, and how's the comedy? So you, let me give you a little background. Justin had a show years ago on CBS called Dogs in the City in which he berated bad dog owners all throughout the city of New York. Is that correct? Is that a good assessment? That's a good show? way to say it. You would to... teach bad dog owners how to be not-so-bad dog owners, right? I mean, that's a very rudimental uh, way of saying it. Okay. I think the way to say it, you know, you sort of look at uh, dogs' uh, dogs' behaviors as a product of their owner's dysfunction and kind of smacking the people in the head being like, hey, clearly they're learning this behavior from someone directly or inadvertently through through your actions, so it was that kind of thing. But yeah. how did you become a dog expert? Um, I think just from my love of animals and my desire to want to figure out my own, okay. who were incredibly difficult. I had two rescue pit bulls and started rescuing a bunch of different dogs and was started my charity for animals, Funny for Fido, which is like a way to bring comedy and, and dog stuff together. And just from and then from going from personal training into dog training was an easy transition because I started a dog walking company and just like a nursery school teacher who knows kids really well, a dog walker knows dogs really well. And I just sort of realized I had a green thumb for it. So And how do you go from having your own dog walking business to your own series on network television? Uh, I, th- you know what, it w- I think that because of the, the style and the way in which I would approach dog problems, like you were just saying, 
uh, CBS was looking for, they didn't know what they wanted to do. They had a vague idea of, they were like, wow, we want to do a show about dog walkers or dog training. We really, we really don't know what it is. So I was like, well, why don't you just follow me for a day while I'm working? Which half of that day consisted of running my dog hair company. And then the other half consisted of me going in, you know, to some either some upper west side fufu shishi apartment with some woman who's got, uh, her baby wrapped in a blanket so that the thermostat is more appropriate for her bulldog who's sitting on the couch. And then she was like, you know, I Come wonder on. why he doesn't listen to me. Is that true? That is true. That actually became one of the episodes oh that we did. So it was God. like those kind of situations or more serious ones where I was, you know, working with aggressive dogs in the shelters or working with people upstate who, um, you know, dogs and horses and those kind of environments. But, um, you know, the, 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 the arc of that happened all very organically where I was just, you know, working with dogs in New York City and then it sort of branched out a little bit to people upstate and it was just, I think they, they took notice of what I was doing and they're like, you know what, this guy does it with a little bit of style and a New York edge that is going to sell well on TV. And at what point did you have to give Les Moonves a hand job? Because um, wasn't that how you have to, have to get on TV? You know, I signed, I signed an NDA <laughs> about that and so... This is not going to be the show that not, I not, you're not reveal that information I, on, Dan. I, I thought we might have a, a big scoop here. You know what? It. When you have more sponsors on this show, yeah. then I'll ante up. Okay. Well, there's no scoop there. Um, so then you did that show, and then you you, got a, you had a book come out, yeah. The Language of Dogs. Which your, uh, your beloved my, is in. My dog, Buna, is in there. Buna is named for Buna Hobbin, the whiskey, of course. And uh, then you came out here to California. Yes, and it, what happened? This is my, my life spiraled into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and I cultivated a friendship, and there lies the beginning of the end. That was it. That you was you it. You made the big mistake right there, getting close I, to me. I fell in love with it out here because they were producing that show out here, and I was so sick of New York City. I, you know, born and raised, like you know, died in the wool, New York. Yeah. To use a few of the words from your introduction, um, but I just wanted to come out here and be in the sunshine and take my pit bull and go camping, take your pit bull and go camping while you were uh, doing American wino and I was living in your house. Um, but I got to tell you, like, uh, after you do something big like that, there's, you know, there's all the, how are you going to follow it up? So we did, I did TV shows in Hong Kong and they did all the morning show circuits and then we shot different pilots and then I just kind of got sick of blowing on the coals. And I was like, I wanted to get back to what I was doing originally because working with dogs on TV is not that fun. Sure. It's just, it, they're stressed out controlling animals for you know what they want to get them to do is not you know a lot of times what training wise what they you've already accomplished the thing they're like well can we get it again and it's like well these are animals you can't yeah. really explain to them like hey can you act out again so i can fix the problem again they're take like, two we just did that they yeah. don't right they don't give you like a take two and i got and i would get frustrated as being someone who's a purist and really loves animals and wants to help them and cares about them and like i didn't you know, forcing them to do anything. Um, that's I was always fighting with with producers and cameramen and things like that. So while it does have an element of uh, there's the aspect of bringing something to light that helps a lot of people and helps a lot of animals, that's fantastic. But personally, I just got I I just got sick of it, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I wanted to get back to comedy and get back to acting. And I do still work with dogs, but I do it in my backyard. I do it in New York City sure. with specific clients in my neighborhood or a few celebrities here and there because that's a level of it that I still find enjoyable. I'll always work with animals. So you went back um, You went back to New York. Did you feel like happier when you got back to well, New York? I'm, well, I'll get back. So I was here, and, and I loved being here, but there was the opportunities for doing what I wanted to do are not so much here as they are for me in New York City. Okay. So at first, I was not happy getting back because I was like, shit, here I am 
a part of me felt like here I am right back where I started from. So I had to pick up and kind of start all over again, start all over with comedy where friends of mine had, you know, their ship had sailed into a lot more successful waters. And I was like, man, I'm really starting over with something that I let go. And then it's just one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. Now I feel like, you know what? Like really, if you if I look back over my shoulder, like you know, we did the the ta- headline in the townhouse the other night. I yes. remember three years ago when I was like, you know what? I want to get back into comedy again. I was watching my buddy Mike Vecchione, who's the co-host of my podcast. That's his name, right? And I was watching him kill on that show, and I was like, man, I I would love to be able to come here and be and do that. And now I've done that three times already, so it's yeah. pretty cool to have gone back to New York, uh, planted seeds, and sort of faced faced fears and faced demons of starting over and then those things are you know the things are coming to fruition with acting and with comedy and now be able to go back and forth between the two coasts and yeah. work here and can work I, there can I talk about you booked a show can we talk yeah. about that yeah we can you 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 gotta you play uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz Kravitz's ex-boyfriend in High Fidelity which yeah. is a new series coming on Hulu correct yeah. when's that coming out you know what we wrapped on that just at the end of last month so i don't know i think it could i could around four months you have to guess what these things are but i think around four months when i was talking to some of the producers at the rap party that's what they said do you mind if i just take a second to pour myself some whiskey just hold on here and listen to this while i go can i take my shirt off of course man all right hang on a second you any coke here of course molly Can we just do the show with this on? Dan, I don't know why it hasn't been on from the beginning. I mean, if I have theme music, shit. Uh, you got you to gotta watch and make sure I get just the amount of time in there. We, we don't get sued. Um, okay, so what I wanted to talk to you about beyond your, your career, which is obviously you're killing it again. You're back, man. You're back. I, I'm glad you have that perspective yeah, on it. I, I like it. I appreciate now, that. Now, I talked earlier, part of the reason I brought up this Kansas Spirit Whiskey is because I feel like different types of alcohol have different type of effect on, on people. Do Would you agree, if you drink wine, would you say it's a different kind of a buzz than a tequila buzz? Of course. Okay. How so? Tell me, describe your red wine buzz. First of all, I don't drink red wine, as White you know. wine buzz. White wine, I have to say. Or rose. rose. I'm a rose guy. What is Justin Silver like after he's put down a few glasses of rose? Uh, rose for me is the daytime. Like a daytime date. Okay. And I like sitting outside on a date, and I like dates in the daytime. To me, that's like a light, sort of fluffy, silly high. Okay. Where I'll get a little handsy and flirtatious. Consensual. Consensual only. Only. Of Consensual course. only. Yes. No hashtags on my record here. No. Um, whereas tequila, which you and I partake in often, yeah. Uh, that's more of like the... That goes more with the music. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I can see it. Pounce some tequila. But it's this—it's also the rate at which it kicks in. Yeah. You know? Tequila's like the crystal meth. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a, ty- do you like, do you like a Blanco tequila? Do you like a little Reposado? A little bit of age on it? How do you like tequila? You don't care. I, I really don't care, but I tend to like them lighter. Okay. So- I like them clearer. Got it. What about whiskey? Are you do you drink whiskey? I've drank whiskey with you. That's true, times, buddy. Now, do you feel like uh, 
uh, whiskey or a, I mean, even like, a, how about like a cognac? Would you say that if you drink cognac, would you say that probably puts you more in a mood to like chill out by a fire at a ski lodge type situation? It's heavier. Yeah. It the definitely, it, yeah, it feels more like an opiate for me. So like, I'm gonna, we're going to classify these as other drugs. So you yeah. have tequila, okay. which is, uh, tequila is your crystal meth. <laughs> cognac is your and opiate. For those of you. <laughs> and then rosé is your weed. I think I'm think I think I'm nailing this. For those of you who don't know how to get crystal meth out there, hit me up at the imbiber on Instagram, and I'll uh, I'll connect you with a guy Justin knows. DM me. Um, yeah, DM Justin. He'll he'll get you squared away. I'm just kidding. We don't uh, we don't in, uh, condone drug taking here without us involved. I've never taken drugs before, so I'm just guessing no, that these are what these things no, feel like. No, no. Um, okay, so what about beer? What's beer? Drug is beer. I'm not a big beer drinker. Weed? Is it weed? What would beer be? Uh, no, beer. Beer is not weed because wine is weed. Beer is. Wine. What's the next thing? What's the next thing in between? What's the next not so intense drug? <laughs> I beer, mean, you know what? Beer's beer. Where do you go from weed? It's probably cocaine. Or no, uh, you know what? It could be like half of a um, Adderall. No, 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 no. Beer's not half an Adderall. Beer's a half a clonopin. Okay. There you go. There you go. Here's a sleeping pill. I'm not a big beer drinker. Um, beer makes me tired. Yeah. Beer well, makes me tired. I like beer in the summertime when it's hot. You know, that I don't, if I'm out and you know, you're at a beach bar or something like that, I, I prefer beer, a cold beer to a cocktail or a glass of wine on a hot summer's day. But I try not to drink it as much myself either just because like, you know, you get older, beer goes right to your belly i think that's the thing that affects how you feel on it is the sugar content to me the sugar or the, that's the carbohydrate true. that to me affects how i'm feeling like clearer clearer alcohols and i'm not a i don't like vodka at all i'm not a vodka drinker but clearer clearer alcohols like tequila or like a white wine those don't depends how, actually depends how sweet the white wine is but those okay. to me the I'll, I'll i'll have more energy on those as opposed to something darker i just feel you know, a little more lethargic on them. If you, you're going out, you've got a, uh, a, a female friend, you're going to have a night out, you're thinking maybe this could lead to, uh, you know, a little flippity-flop. What do you dream? Is that what you're calling it? What now? do you dream? <laughs> hockey flop? mattress. Uh, hockey, mattress hockey or something like that. Uh, what are you drinking? I'm starting off with wines. Yeah. Rosés or white wines. And then tequilas will be a little bit later. Okay. That's the way I would do it. But you'd also have to, you also run, like I'm very good at knowing when I hit that, that one point where I'm like, I push it away. You got to be careful. I'm like, up oh, there we go. Yeah. Or else you'll have to take another drug. It's called Viagra. Yes. Yeah, boy. And you know what happens when I get She's that like, Viagra in me? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, why do you have popsicle sticks and electrical tape by the side of the bed? <laughs> I'm like, ah, this is how I'm going to. That song is great. I'm going to prop it up. I would tell you the name of that song, but then I'm afraid it really increases the chance that we'll get sued. Uh, I'll tell you my theories on that with podcasts. You don't think they care? I think you're safe. Yeah. But I feel like there could be an algorithm, some sort of thing, technical thing I don't have the term for, that could scour these podcasts and go, because you know they do it on YouTube. How do they find these videos on YouTube? And it says the content's been removed because of a copyright thing. Sure. I've, I've actually posted videos myself from years ago mm-hmm. where I would have like a snippet of a song in there 
and it's gone now. They took it down. So right somehow now, they found it, and, and it ain't because a lot of people are watching my videos. Right, right now, podcasts are pretty much in the clear, I think. Yeah. YouTube, everything is aggregated to one place, if you think about it. Podcasts, like people could be listening on to this in one of a million different formats. Well, I mean, so it's a little harder for them to... Obviously, uh, millions of people are listening to my podcast Millions right of people now. are listening because I'm on it right now. Duh. So, uh... Yeah, so I think we need to be careful with how much of this song by Tiesta. Oh, oh, I don't! Oh, damn! All right, fine, fine. I'll come clean. You know what the song's called? It's called Wow. Wow, <laughs> that's the song. Tiesta, wow. Oh, wait, I just think like it's fucking great that this guy did this song. And he's like, yo, what do we call this shit? Wow. And they all just sat around going, wow, yeah, yeah, wow. it's kind of wow, yeah. yeah. All right. Wow. People are buying this now. Do you, do you do you go to cl- you don't go you're you're done right nightclubs you're kind of done with that. Oh, right? I'm so. I mean, you and I have had fun at some of the. There's some pretty cool spots here in L.A. Like, what was the place we used to go to with the trapeze above? While you while you're outside in the back deck, there's the trapeze. Oh yeah. And you enter through that. It's like a, it looks like a brothel, and then the bed yeah. opens up, and you go. What was that spot we used to go? To? No vacancy. No vacancy. So that's yeah. like a cool place. But that like L.A. clubs are like. Things close at 2 a.m., so they're not even really yeah, like clubs. Yeah, they're not really clubs. But yeah. I'm from New York, and then my brothers live in Miami, where it's like I used to promote nightclubs, and it's just such a insane, debaucherous scene that I'm kind of, I'm over that. Yeah, I don't, but I still like dancing. I don't miss I'm that. Like a, I don't miss that at all. Now I'll, I'll cut a rug. Now, in terms of uh, when you're doing comedy, do you you don't do you ever drink before you go on stage? So we've talked about this. I. I the other night I was going on late in that set. Okay. I was going on late in that show. So I had a few which is but I was like there's an hour between the last sip I'm going to take and getting on stage. I think that you're always at your best clear-headed. Or okay. I am personally. I like to be as sharp as possible and you know I like to do crowd work with the audience. So I'm having the most fun when I'm clear-headed cuz it's just like you're you're always going to drive better clear-headed. So if, yeah. I know there's some artists who they like to have a little bit of a buzz because it relaxes them and loosens them up. To well, me, do you think there were? Do you think there were comedians that were? I mean, there are legendarily comedians that went up on stage completely out of their fucking mind. And when I started comedy, I was heavy drinking, and I there's times I went on stage wasted. At in New York City, you're grinding it out until three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you've you've done six shows already, and it's just like you're trying to just keep yourself going at that point. And then you also have you get the you get the fuckets, you get the who gives a shit at this point. There's 15 people in the audience. It's the sixth show I've done tonight. Who cares? But um, for and that's really at the point now that I would just go home. But for me, uh, I prefer having like a really good set and knowing I know that I'm in the most control of it when I'm clear headed, and then having drink, having a drink afterwards if I'm you know in a mode where I'm drinking. That night. Yeah, I remember watching a uh, a thing about Robin Williams, and he was talking about doing stand up back in his Tate, you know, in the Mork and Mindy days, and he was completely jacked up on cocaine, like doing trying to do stand up, and then guys like Kinnison, I think, were pretty much fucked up a lot. Sam Kinnison, Greg Giraldo, yeah, Greg, yeah. What do they all have in common? <laughs> They're not here anymore. But uh, you know, there's I, it, to me, I find it amazing like that people could get up there and, and remember what they're doing. Yeah, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends smoke a lot of pot, and I don't smoke a lot of pot because my brain just goes, I'm not good on weed. Okay. I mean, a little bit of like an indica that's like a vape pen that's mixed like half indica, half CBD that I could do before I go to bed. But a lot of my friends smoke pot and they can get on stage stoned, and I would be 
that would be a wreck for me. But we were doing, I, um, you know, I'm like a big, I'm not a big drug user, but we did this long festival and I was exhausted. So I took a half of an Adderall and that completely fucked up my timing and my ability. Like I just didn't feel comfortable in myself. So for me, I like to be as sober as possible. Yeah, I hosted an event here in L.A. a few years back called um, Art Beyond the Glass, and it's a big, uh, big event. Now they're doing them all over the country, but and I went right before I did it. I ran into a friend, and he gave me a couple of gummy uh, bear edibles. Oh shit! And I took both of them, and these things were loaded, right? And and it was really hot. It was outside. It was like a hundred degrees, <laughs> and I. The guy came up to me that was running it, and he's like, gives me this sheet of paper, and he's like, here's what you got to say, and here's, you know, make sure you make this announcement, and this, and I am so fucking high, right, When and but not in a good way, like tripping high. Oh, yeah. Know? And I, I felt like I was sweating profusely, and I was sweating, but probably not as bad as I felt like I was sweating, and I remember saying to him, I said, um, am I okay? And he said, what do you mean? I said, am I uh, good to go up there and talk to people? He's like, what do you, what do you mean, man? You seem, you seem fine. I said, okay, I, I, I don't look weird to you. He's <laughs> like, maybe now you look weird to me. And I was okay. And I got up and I just remember, I, I remember like reading these announcements that I had to read and, and then there was a band and, but I was just really out of my mind. And the craziest part about it was like, I, I, I thought later when I sobered up, I, it was like, my God, I, I blew that, man. Like, and uh, I ran into that guy, Daniel, the guy that runs it, like not long after that. And he's like, oh man, you, you were amazing. You did a great job. A lot of and times I your thought, body- How does that happen? I don't I, remember it. I think a lot of times your body, you go on autopilot. There's times where I've thought that I've, that because like uh, if I've had a drink or like I've been, the times I have- the, the, we, I, the reason I know that I don't like to perform in that state is because I've done it. But there's times I've looked back and seen videos, and I'm like, oh, this this sounds completely normal because your body goes on autopilot, I think. Um, but I'll tell you, dude, edibles, it's like uh, me and Big J, Big J Okerson. Big J Okerson, comedian. I can't, some, you know, fans gave us these edible cookies after a show, like last year when we were in Tampa. And then we just went, a lot of times we just go back to the hotel. It's not that exciting. We watched like a documentary, and it was a documentary... <laughs> Like white supremacists, and I took an edible, and I swear to God, when the guys I talk about, like the Jews, he's like, the Jews are ruining this country. I'm like, we are. <laughs> I got so upset, and then all I had to do was walk across the street because my hotel was across the street from his. Like, yeah. there's there was a comedy condo that they put you in, and then there's the hotel, and I stayed in the condo. Jay stayed at the hotel, and it's in Tampa, Florida, where chickens are just walking around all over the place. In in Tampa, Florida, there's just chickens walking. It's I like, was not aware of this. Chickens are walking around. But for some reason, you're not there. It's not like they're in. You're not allowed to touch them. They're citizens. Like cars they don't. Are, they do not condone killing the chickens. Cannot kill the chickens. Okay. Nor would I kill a chicken as an animal lover. But I was like, he's like, you gotta walk across the street to your hotel. This is across the street. And I was like, I can't do that. You have to walk me across. He's like, you know. He's like, no, no, no you're fine, Justin. Just walk across the hotel. We've gone back and forth 19 times today. I'm like, Jay, you don't understand. I can't walk across with those chickens out there. <laughs> He's like, what do you think is going to happen? Coming, I'm like, they're coming for me. They're coming to get me. The chickens <laughs> are the white supremacists. Did you watch the documentary? But uh, Oh, weed. 
It's not legal in New York. It's not. It's not fully legal, right? It's medical in New I York. I think it's decriminalized. I don't think anyone. I mean, out here, shit. it's legal. We can do whatever. Of we, I'm gonna get high right now. Um, so, so Justin, uh, let, I want to wrap up this part about the uh, about alcohol and how it and, and how it impacts you. Mm-hmm. What's your go to drink? Period. You got your home. You just want to unwind. I don't. Mm, okay, I don't normally drink alone at home. Uh, That's your problem. <laughs> what is my problem? <laughs> I honestly have to say the the two go tos. I have three. I have, can I say three? Sure. Okay. I go to light wines, rosés or Sauvignon Blancs, usually. Uh, tequilas or whiskeys. Okay. And whiskey, I don't. I kind of don't care. Yeah. My palate is certainly not as sophisticated as yours. A lot of times you'll I just I'll do, be like, I'm mostly pick. frozen Jägermeister. That's what I die. Jägermeister is disgusting. I just hit it. Hey, I got a friend uh, here to stop by real quick. Hold on a second. Hey, this is Tiffany Thiessen, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. She's not really here, but... She's not? <laughs> no. I wish, but no, that was uh, Tiffany Thiessen. She was on the show a couple weeks ago. Love her. Now, Justin, I this we're now we have arrived at a a point of my show. Uh, oh, by the way, if you really want to know what I drink when I'm home alone, mm. I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. I'm like a child with this uh, soundboard. You have a lot of fun with your little I toy. I look around. I'm like, what other, what other, what other thing diversion can I take from the actual conversation so that I can work in something? Like we got to get you that old school thing. The cow goes, <laughs> the cow goes, where you pull the string. So like one of my favorites I like to do is I go here, Justin. Here, try some of this. And a fucker. That's really fun. Isn't that funny? Do you have? Can you be like, hey, try this, and then it's a bullet. Like I blew my head off. And then I go. And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> What if it's instead of a bullet, it's a laser? Oh! (laughs) Ah! Fuck, Dan! Ah! 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 (laughs) My nipple! And then I threw thunder at you. (laughs) Fuck my hair. Uh, By the way, (laughs) for those of you wondering, did I take some more gummies before this show? Possibly. So here, now we're gonna. I want you to stick around for this. This is a little uh, section that we do here at the end of the show. It's called. It's what's driving me to drink. It's driving me to drink. So. Justin, I've talked to you before about uh, there are different types of people that you encounter in bars, different arch, uh, you know, archetypes, if you want to call them. Sure. Um, and I'd like to tell you know, throughout this podcast, while we continue to do this podcast, I'm, I'm going to bring some of them up. And today, what's driving me to drink, I'm going to talk to you about the don't talk to me man. That's a type of person you encounter in bars, the don't talk to me you man. Sure, you sure do. He looks like he comes in a lot, but somehow you don't know him. You worry that the bartenders like him better than you. A valid concern because, come on, of course they do. They totally do. You've noticed that he wears that one cologne you've always loved but can't remember the name of. And you wish you could just work up the courage to ask him what it is so you could buy some for yourself. But you won't ask because you're afraid he'll think you're a weirdo for smelling him. And you're not a weirdo. Or smelling him. You're totally not smelling him. Not on purpose, anyway. It's just really great cologne that's hard not to notice, that's all. Plus, he seems like a cool guy that you could just become good buddies with if, like, 
You know, he just talked to you just once. After all, you see him in there all the time. He has to have seen you too, right? You'd think you would have spoken by now just by accident, but no, not a word. It's like he doesn't even know you exist. Anyway, that's my, uh, that was what was driving me to drink today. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, man, this show has been wow. a fucking party. Any parting words for us, Justin? You guys at work listening to this right now, <laughs> pull your dick out! Until I, Justin Silver, I want to thank you. Where do people find you on the internet? Yes. So my show, I have a very funny comedy podcast called No Disrespect, where you could uh, listen to anywhere you get podcasts. You could also watch it on YouTube. Um, I have another show called Neurotica, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Search for good sex, inner peace, and the perfect hand sanitizer. Uh, my social media, it's at I am Justin Silver on all social media platforms. Instagram is without a doubt my favorite. And then my website is IamJustinSilver.com, where all my show dates and stuff like that are published. And I'm Dan Dunn. You can find me at The Imbiber. I like Instagram a lot, too. And that's all I got to say. Until next time, remember, alcohol is the anesthesia by which we endure the operation of life.